I'm going to pray first. This is a very, very important message from God today, and I I want to pray ahead of time so that God will prepare our hearts to hear it. Dear Father, we do need that. We need your Holy Spirit right now, right here, and I know you're here because you promised that that's the way it would be, that, that when two or more are gathered, you would be here in a special way. So, Lord, I just pray that you will inhabit your words this morning and drive this message deep into our hearts that we would examine ourselves and ask ourselves, are we being changed the way that you would like us to be changed? And I praise you in advance for what you're going to do, both in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Ah, You know, I haven't had anybody read the passage. You know, last week I thought, am I going to get somebody up here to read one verse? (laughs) No. And so guess what? Not going to have anybody again this week because, once again, you're only going to have one verse. And that verse is this, 1 Thessalonians 3.12. So this is Paul praying. We talked about that last week. Paul praying for the Thessalonians. He's praying for the church at Thessalonica that he founded and spent some time there. And he's been away. And circumstances pushed him away from the church. Persecution. And he was driven out of town, and he ends up down through Athens and Corinth, and he's writing this letter, and he's sending it with Timothy, or he sent Timothy there to give him a report on how they're doing because he feels anxious about it. He's saying, you know, what, what's happening? I know there's going to be opposition. I know you're, you're up against some bad things. I know there's people that don't like you, and he talks about that. We've talked about that already. And so he says a prayer for them after going through um, some other things, some admonitions and some, some praises of them. He says, I'm going to pray for you. And so last week we looked at the first part of his prayer, which was to say, God, straighten the road so that I can go back. And we talked about that a lot. Talked about that a lot last week. Hopefully that resonated with you. It did with me, obviously as I looked at my path to God. But this week he's saying, you know what? I'm praying, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all people as we do for you. Once again, this, gosh, it seems like it's pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Let me me read you, and... I go through this process, which I learned from contenders and from Ron, about how do I prepare a sermon? So I go through and I look at this and I made some, okay, I want to take a look at the word Lord. What they, would they mean? An increase in abound and love for one another and all. And so here's what I looked up and it said, and may the Lord, Curios, the supreme authority and creator of all things, make you increase. Pleonazo is the Greek word for superabound in quantity. So may the Lord, who is the supreme authority over all things, make you superabound, increase, overflow, spill out into everything, over, just over, like you have a cup and it's filled and it's just pouring out all over everything. Superabound. And abound, and abound, and they think, well, didn't you just say that? But, so the abound word 
is parisio. But it can be used in both quality and quantity. And so I don't think he's being redundant. I think he just says, okay, I'm gonna, I want you to superabound in quantity, but I also want you to abound in quality of your love for one another. And for all. He doesn't, just, he doesn't just limit it to the other Christians that are around you. He says, I want you to love all. And that love, guess what word it is? We used it this morning, agape love. See, that, that, that is a problem because I don't think a lot of times we truly understand what's being asked of us. Or, or do we really understand agape love? And did I? I think I did. The title of the sermon is What's Love Got to Do With It, right? I love that song. Oh, what's love got to do? Well, well, love has to do with this a lot. But you have to understand that we use these words for love in our language, and, and it, it's, just, it's a feeling in, 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 in entertainment and Hollywood and romance novels, and they have this vision of what they want you to believe love is, that it's some sort of a feeling or, or that it's just, you know, it's this thing that just happens and, and I'm struck by it. I, I love at first sight. Baloney. That's hormones. I say that, if Carol here, she'd say, yeah, Tim, you say that every time we have one of these cheesy movies and they say, oh, I really fell in love with you. That's not love. That's either lust or hormones going on. Or, or infatuation. This is not... This is not God's version of love. This is not what they're being asked. Paul is writing to the believers at Thessalonica. These are people who have already been saved. And so he's saying, God, would you make them increase, super increase, and in the quality of their agape love for all people, as we do for them. And so I'm asking myself, this is, what is this all about? If I'm supposed to do this, and he already knows that they're saved, if you were to pick, and again, this is going to be a rhetorical question, if you were going to pick an attribute of your Christianity that would give you an indication of how well am I being transformed back into the image of Christ. Because after you've been saved, that's job one. We come here. Why? It's fun. We get to sing songs. We get to, we, we get to worship together. We're going to take communion today. We get to see one another. We listen to some guy up here. You're here to be transformed. That, that's God's job one for you. After you've accepted him as your savior, okay, God, now, now you're going to fix me, right? So we can be intimate with one another and that I can start focusing on the things of you instead of, of me. So I'm going to ask you, you can say, well, I want to, I'd kind of like to know where I'm at. And, and we, we use that word sanctification. Okay, God, I'm on this pathway after you save me. I'm on this pathway of being transformed to back into your image for my good and your glory, and I'd kind of like to know how I'm doing. 
what indicator would you pick? I mean, you could say, well, you know, how's my sin, how's my sin meter doing? Am I, am I sinning less? Well, hopefully you are. Uh, you know, am, am I a nicer person now that I've been saved? Now, you know, is that, am I going to be more kind? Uh, am I more understanding? Am I more patient? All good things. All things that probably we should be increasing in as God conforms us to his own image. Why? Because that's how he is, right? That's how he is. But we have to say, I think he tells us in, in, this, in, in, in Scripture that this is the one thing. We're going to look at that. This is the one thing, agape love. How am I doing? Could I take a dipstick and go in there and pull it out and say, okay, how's my agape love level? To tell me, how is God doing in, in, in change? Am I cooperating with God so that I can be changed back into the person he wants me to be for my good and his glory here in this life? Because, see, agape love is not a feeling. And it's not even, it, it's love in action, but it's not just an action. Here's what agape love is. Agape love is a totally different way of looking at and thinking about your life. It's God's thinking. In the man thinking that we have, we're selfish. And so agape love is not just, okay, I'm going to commit to do something, I'm going to do it, and we see people trying to work their way through their salvation, and like, if I just do enough good deeds. No, no, that's not it. Agape love is God's indicator that says you are looking at life like this. Yet your main focus is on me and on other people. It's a completely different way of thinking about your world if you have agape love because agape love is a love that's focused on the benefit of the object being loved most of the time at the expense of you. We are born and broken and incredibly selfish people. So agape love is saying, no, no, I'm, not, I'm looking at life completely different now. It's, it's God, I love you, what do you want? And it's, and it's looking outside myself to say, okay, God, you have to give me this thought process and this attitude that as I go through life, my thoughts are constantly about others. How can I serve others? How can I be of help to someone? How will this thing that I'm going to say or do affect someone else? That is agape love. That's the love that Paul is praying that only God can give, and he will give them. Why do I know that's only God? Because it is a fruit of God's Holy Spirit. Number one, right? Love Agape love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. So, it's a God thing, it's God love, and it has to be given to you by God. You're not going to get agape love without being saved. So here I am, and, 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 and I'm seeing that in, in order to be transformed, God is going to give me more and more and more agape love as I start to look and think God's way instead of my way. 
Paul is praying to God that God's Holy Spirit will work in the hearts and minds of those people in Thessalonica so that they can superabound in agape love and it will spill out into the lives of the people around them. Self-examination is what we need. Not for condemnation, but for motivation. I had to think about it. I started preparing again for this sermon, you know, or last, last Monday, and man, it was convicting. Because I started to recognize, as I look into this and think about it more and more, and other scriptures that we're going to be looking at, I can see how important this is as an indicator of where I'm at with God. How much of my life am I living for myself? We talked about that last time. In, in, in God trying, let me see your will and do it in courage and in faith. Do your will. But God, am I really agapeing people and you? Am I agapeing you, God, so that I'm just saying, your will is the most important. I don't care about me anymore. It's, it's you. But then these other people, and some of them are hard to agape, God. Some of them are hard to agape. Maybe I'll phileo them a little bit and love them like a brother or whatever, brotherly love. But no, God, agape, where I just, I'm thinking about them. And, and you even say, my enemies? Well, yeah, I agapeed you, Tim, when you were my enemy. Now I'm asking you to do it, not in your own strength, though. I'm asking you to, to put the Tim part of you away in the background and let the me part of you agape people through you. I'm praying that for me. I'm praying that for you. Are we agaping people? John 13, 35. By this you will know that, you're my, that they will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, he, he said in the, that was part of the kids thing, you know, first of all, I, I'm giving you this new command, love one another as I loved you. I first loved you, now you need to love one another. And here's the deal. They will know that you are one of my disciples if you just quit sinning so much. No. If you just put on all the garbs of the religion, easy for me to say, religiosity, no. Here, here's the deal, um, and this is why he's going to say what he's going to say later, uh, how important it is, and that in the end, all the law and the prophets are going to rest on that. Because guess what? Everything about all the rest of the stuff I want you to do as I transform you into the image of Christ, you're going to see holiness. That's next week's sermon, holiness. Where does it fit into this equation? How do I get there? So, but, but here we're going to talk about agape. Okay, is it really important? What does it look like in real life? And then if I don't have as much as I should, how do I get there? How important is it? Well, we, we see here in Matthew 22, 34 through 37. But when the Pharisees heard that he'd silenced the Sadducees, this was Jesus as, as he was being questioned, trying to be trapped by their religious people into saying something that they could accuse him of. Well, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to 
test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love your Lord, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. He's saying all of these other things are going to be an outflow of you completely changing or having changed in you by my Holy Spirit completely the way you look at yourself and life. When you focus completely on my will, when you focus and surrender your own and focus on others, all of the rest of this stuff is just going to fall into place for you. We're going to go into next week, I'll start a list of practical Christianity and, and things that not to do, specifically related to sexual immorality, but that's just one area and, and the, the New Testament has a lot of different passages that talk about, hey, don't do this, do this. This is the old you, this is the new you. But what, what he's saying here is, look, when you put this first, when I see agape love growing in you, all those other things are going to be the result of the transformation. And you're not going to want to do those things because you're focusing on my will first because you're going to agape me when you get out of the way. And when you agape me, you're going to put my will first, and then I am going to change you. And the result of that will be changed behavior in your life. But it's going to require a new way of looking at and thinking about life and God. Because we are just inherently hardwired to be selfish. Even when we're Christians, that part of our flesh is still in there, and so we start to a day and some sort of tragedy comes up or some sort of challenge or some sort of issue and then we start trying to figure out how to fix it or we get angry and we respond in the flesh and we think, man, that was really selfish. I find myself there. And God says, no, you've got to look at life completely differently. I'm going to give you this ability to agape. I am giving you the ability to agape. It's the first part of my fruit when my Holy Spirit inhabits you after you've been saved. You're going to have the ability to infinitely agape if you surrender yourself and let my Holy Spirit live through you. And we see that in Romans, and it's great passages to talk about life in the Spirit, life in the flesh. But this is our, this is our litmus test. This is our dipstick. This is our tape measure. This is our measuring cup. How am I doing, God? Examine, let me examine myself, again, not for condemnation, but for motivation. Am I agapeing the people you put in my life, loving one another and all people? How are we doing? How important is it? It's the greatest commandment. And everything else flows out of that. Can you, you know, so, okay, what does it look like? It's not the Hollywood version. First John 3, 16 and 17. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So what is this really telling us? First of all, it's saying, look, 
This is what it looks like. You lay down your life for other people. We see that in the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Now, I don't have time to go into that. I'm trying to finish you up on time today. But if you understood the background of the Good Samaritan, this, you know, the Samaritans were dirt in, in, in the minds of the Jews. Half-breeds. We don't want anything to do with you. Maybe you're even worse than pagans. And here's a guy who, who literally goes out of his way, and it costs him. Cost him time, cost him money. The guy was beat up, and the religious people come by and leave him sitting there. Here's a guy who, like, hey, man, just from my heritage, I really should want nothing to do with you. In fact, I would maybe consider you an enemy, or at least I think you can consider me an enemy because I'm a Samaritan. But I'm going to stop, and I'm going to take action, and I'm going to show compassion, and I'm going to be generous and I'm going to think, you think maybe the Good Samaritan didn't have an agenda of his own, like, hey, I'm going somewhere. He's on this road. He's going somewhere. He probably has a job he wants to do. He probably has a task he's trying to accomplish, and yet he's, hey, something came up. I wasn't expecting it, and here it is. Well, gosh, you know, I'm just, man, I'm just too busy. I'd like to help you out, pal. Um, in fact, I'm going to pray for you. I'll pray for you. Tell, you, tell you that much. I'll pray for you as you're laying there bleeding, but frankly, I'm kind of busy. But the agape love part of this that God gives us says, no, this is what I put you on the earth for, Tim. This is what I changed. This is what I saved you for. Here's an opportunity I'm giving you to agape somebody. Are you going to pass it by? Or are you going to take advantage of it for your good and my glory? You could stop and help. I've given you all the things you need. I'm going to give you the money to help this guy. It all belongs to me anyway. That's what it looks like. But if, it, if, if his mind wasn't changed first, if his, the way he looked at life was, hey, I'm here, it's about me, I, I got stuff I got to do, I'd help you if I had time, I don't, sorry. In order to be the Good Samaritan, you don't just have to be there. You have to actually say, I'm here for this. Every one of us is going to find, metaphorically, a guy beaten up alongside the road. Maybe it's not physically. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe it's spiritually. Maybe it's financially. What are you going to do? Well, gosh, you know, I'm just kind of busy, God. Bring somebody else, will you? And pull out the dipstick and see where my agape is doing at that point. That's what it looks like, folks. That's what it looks like, that you lay down your life for your friends. That you lay down your life for your enemies. God's taking it even further. Uh, you, don't want, you want to see what, what God really looks like? You find that Christian that's helping out the people that are persecuting him. Because he's doing it for God. He's not doing it for them. He's not doing it for the accolades. He's not doing it for any other reason than he's trying to serve God, and God says, hey, God, you're asking me to do this. It doesn't make sense. I don't like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because that is what agape love looks like. It's not a feeling. It's not even just taking some and doing some cool duties or putting in your time doing stuff. Now, we do stuff. 
People were out in the garden yesterday. Bill was talking about it. People were over helping Pat Briley with his roof. I know the people that were there. They're doing it out of love. Not just because they want to check the, the good works box. That's what agape love looks like. And Paul is saying, I'm praying for these guys to have it in abundance. I'm praying for you to have I hope you're praying for me to have it in abundance. If we want to get God's work done that he's given us, then we need agape thought processes to make it happen. Because it's very, very easy to be selfish. Very. It's the first thing that comes into my mind. What's in it for me? Am I going to get out of this what I want? Is it going to mean that I won't get my things done? Does it mean that I'm not going to have the money to buy the stuff I want? You have an unlimited supply of agape love inside you when you become a Christian. Because he puts your Holy, his Holy Spirit in there and there is no limit to his, uh, his quantity of agape love. So that takes us to the next one. <clears throat> How do I get it if I don't think I have enough? <clears throat> if I look at myself and I see that this is the greatest commandment, to love others as I have loved you, and, I have, and I'm not laying down my life for my friends or my enemies, what do I need to do next? I think <clears throat> there's a couple things. One, you need to surrender. You need to surrender yourself over completely to God, and then he will do it. And again, go back to Romans and say life in the spirit or life in the flesh. Life in the spirit is, is life in peace, and life in the flesh is death and separation and misery. Because that's the thing, right? It doesn't seem to make sense. Put yourself in the position of the Good Samaritan. Did that make sense as far as the world is concerned? No. Yes, I probably will not get what I want. But guess what? Where happiness and joy and fulfillment and satisfaction live? In the agape love land. And so we're going to have to surrender to God's Holy Spirit in order to... But you need to go to agape school. Here you are. This is agape school. This is where we go, and we're going to be using <clears throat> God's tools. It says right here in Ephesians chapter 4, 1, 11 through 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and who is the he? God. Okay, God put his family together, his little small family of Machias, and he's given us uh, apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints... For the work of the ministry, for building us all up as a whole, with using all these parts to come to completion, to equip the saints for the work, building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God so that we can become mature to manhood, spiritual manhood, to the full, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is agape school. Hopefully you're learning. Hopefully we are teaching, loving one another, 
loving God sacrificially and loving one another, we, we see God's word pointing us in that direction, and then we teach it, right? So we, we, we study it, and we're teaching it, and then hopefully you're seeing it, and you're saying, yeah, I, I need to take a temperature of myself. Am I doing well on the agape scale? If not, what's the answer? Give it up. Give up yourself and say, God, you need to fix me more in the agape part. And the effects in your own life will be amazing. And to see God working through you is an amazing place to be. Every single Christian has the potential to be a wellspring of agape love in their life. That's what it looks like in real life. In order to get it, I don't have to work for it. I don't have to try harder. I don't have to try to fix myself. I don't have to try to be more moral. All I have to do is submit to the very thing that God has already given me, which is His Holy Spirit. And then we come together as a group of people multiple times in the week for many of you, but on a Sunday, and you know what? We're here to be better agape people. And all the rest of the things that God wants for us is going to flow from that. Examine yourself. How am I doing on agape thinking? How am I doing on agape attitude how am I doing at surrender? The actual outgrowth will happen. The actions are going to come from that. If you surrender and if you say, look, you know, first I have to rethink. No longer conform to the pattern of this world, which is selfishness, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It has to start there and here in order to agape. Because God says, I'm already here. You don't have to ask for any more of me. I'm already in there. You got to let go. You got to let go, and I will agape through you. Check yourself. Check yourself. If you don't think you're showing as much agape evidence as you should be, let go. In faith, be courageous and let God do it. Now, you guys get a pretty good report card in my book. I look out and I've seen just this week, this month, instance after instance of you loving on each other. I think, you know, there are a number of things we've talked about as, as we as church leadership are looking at, you know, where, where do we need, where, where could we do better? Where, where, should, where do we need to, to help the church? Where, where do we need to emphasize? And I so look at it and I say, you know what, you're, you're doing pretty well as a whole, knowing what you believe and why you believe it. And thankfully, we had somebody who had that heritage there that says this is really important. And you can see the fruits of that, not in this church alone, but in how that has impacted churches all throughout Village Mission. So you get a pretty good score on that one, knowing what you believe and why you believe it. Acting like a family, doing pretty good there. Loving one another, we saw it yesterday. So all the, all the hours that the, the deaconess ladies were doing, getting ready for that. Was there anything in it for them? No. 
But we were able to, to, to love and serve a family that, that's part of our family. And it was wonderful to be able to do it. I see it all the time. I, th those guys that were out helping Pat yesterday, I see you, you're loving one another. Thank you. Now, we can always do better. But I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up. Now you're going to have to be, feel like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's, he's making us feel pretty good about ourselves. <clears throat> I'm driving along, and I see a homeless guy sitting beside the road, <clears throat> and in my trunk, I have a whole bunch of groceries, way more than I can ever use myself, right? I think, I can see the need. I got plenty. In fact, I got a whole warehouse at home. No, I'm too busy. And then the stuff in my trunk just rots. How loving is it if you have the answer to someone's spiritual eternity and you're not sharing it? Quick story, you know, the pen and teller, the, I, can't, I think it's pen, atheist, avowed atheist, very outspoken Said he had a guy come to his concerts a couple times, or his shows, comedy shows. He's a comedian, kind of a magician comedian. And this guy would bug me all the time. He knew I was an atheist, and he would come. He sat in the front row of my, con of my show every time. And after one of the last shows that he was at, he came and he said, here, I'd like to give me my Bible. And, he's, and so the guy said, I saw the guy. He wasn't doing it for show. I don't believe anything he's saying. But he said, I, I, I thank you for, I know you believe it, and, and, I, and I really feel like you're doing this with a good heart, but I'm, I'm not interested. But then he said this. He said, if you really believe what that guy was telling me about Jesus Christ and, and this being the only way to be saved, and you aren't sharing it, you must really hate people. We can be loving one another. But we're not really loving all men. If we walk by and God gives us the opportunity, which he will if we ask, and we aren't sharing the most important things in our lives with them, are we really agapeing people? We do really well in a lot of areas. But I wonder, how are we doing? Ask yourself. I don't know. I have to ask myself. God, do I really love you? Do I really love others? If I'm willing to let someone else go to hell, and it's not up to me, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to put that, it's not on you. It's God. But, but if God is saying, I'm giving you an opportunity, I've certainly given you the tools, do you really love this person? If you really love them, like I'm telling you I loved you when you were my enemy, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't be that good Samaritan and, not just share fixing his physical wounds and taking care of some of his physical problems. You wouldn't even share something that I can use to save that man's soul for eternity. Agape love means sharing the things that we have with others at every opportunity that God gives us. 
The opportunity is not the problem. But we feel uncomfortable. We feel afraid. We feel like, ah, what are they going to say? Oh, Christianity isn't very popular. Maybe I should just shut up and sit down. I'm telling you this. According to Scripture, that's not agape love. I think I can be better. I think we can be better. In your life somewhere are a number of people that don't know Jesus. God is not asking you to fix them. God is not asking you to save them. God is not asking you to change them. God is just saying one thing. Be faithful to share the hope that you have in the opportunities that I give you. I'll do the rest of the work. But are we? Are we as a church? Are we as individuals? I think we can be better. We're going to have some opportunities. We're going, to, we're going to try to train people here coming this fall. How do I share my faith with people in this culture that's so anti-Christian? How is we as a church going to get out into the community of Machias? One of the things I came back from, from conference with was, hey, Tim, don't forget, you are not just Pastor Tim. You are missionary Tim. You are not just in Machias Community Church. You are in Machias Missionary Church. How are you doing in your community? So we can do better. Pray, would you? Pray, pray that in your own life you can invite someone, even if you just invite them here. They're going to hear the word. They're going to hear the hope. They're going to hear the gospel. Until you're comfortable doing it yourself, if you think, well, I'm not an apologist, I don't care. Invite them to church, but just tell them what you got. God don't take much. He'll take whatever measly effort you have and make it work if you're faithful. Don't be afraid. Don't think you've got to be a Bible scholar. God has done something for you if you're saved, and share that with someone. I don't care about, I don't care if they, ah, oh, gee, Tim, I'd shoot that, but they're, they're going to go somewhere else. They live up, you know, they live up in, in Burien or something. I don't care. God's going to fill this church with the people he wants anyway. That's not the point. The point is, are we being faithful? Are we being faithful to agape people by sharing the hope we have? We're really good, I think, as a church at loving each other. We've got a whole community around us that's dying and going to hell and has no hope in a culture that's taken out from under them all the things they're used to putting their hope in. We have the answer. If we're really going to agape people like Paul was praying for the Thessalonians, we have to share what we have. Let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit in our life to make us more like you and help us through those times when we are so afraid to give up what we want to seek the things of you. Sometimes afraid to share what we have with others just for fear of being judged or being awkward, being out of our comfort zone. Lord, help us to have that courage and faithfulness to love each other, but then love all men, like you say. And one of the greatest ways of demonstrating that love is to find the courage to share the faith that we have with them and leave the outcomes to you but just share. Lord, help us straighten the road to take us to them and them being the people that are out there that need to hear what we have. And then give us the courage to do it and the power in your Holy Spirit and give you the outcomes. And we just thank you and praise you for how you're going to answer this prayer. In the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.